It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN on this Monday. Scott in here with you as we take a look at uh, some of the stories that we will be bringing you over the next couple hours. Jason Jorgensen's here, and Bob Brogan is here, and Susan Littlefield, who was uh, running, has been running into a little bit of uh, ice problems over her travels, uh, sent this in for us to hear because it's uh, icy where she's at. Well, thanks so much, Scott. Of course, uh, pretty foggy here. And uh, Mother Nature definitely keeping people on their toes with some slick roads in the area. Here's what's happening for us on the midday on this Monday at 1219. Clay's going to step in with pheasants and quail forever, part of the Dawson County Cattlemen's. At 1245, we'll get the results of Kansas State University's trials when it came to corn and sorghum varieties. And then at 117, we continue our Women in Ag series as Shaley will be talking with Amanda Parker. And by the way, the Women in Ag series, you can follow along as well through our website on the news page. That's happenings for the midday from the farm team. All right. Thanks so much, Susan. Appreciate it. Be careful out there. We turn it over to Jason Jorgensen, National Championship Monday here as the football world will be decided. I wish I was a little more excited about it, but uh, you got to kind of like Ed Orgeron at LSU. Somewhat. So. My guess is around here, due to there kind of being a Nebraska connection yeah, between the Burroughs, Burroughs yeah. and Joe Burrow that folks would be cheering for LSU. But uh, two undefeateds, two mm-hmm. really good teams. Uh, we will see two future NFL quarterbacks right. in this one. I don't know who wins it. I, I saw I looked a little bit ago and it's and Vegas likes LSU by five and a half, I'm seeing right now, which seems like a pretty good spread for entertainment purposes only. Uh but uh I don't know. I don't know I don't have a feeling for that one. Clemson so much. has been doubted in this game before in this show. Right. Yeah. Dabo's good. Yeah. Dabo Sweeney's really I never really questioned the Harvard champion. No. That's so that's all that's at play tonight. Yeah. Also, uh, some news on the uh, Husker volleyball front. Former assistant Tyler Hildebrand, he is coming back to be associate head coach for John Cook. Of course, he won't officially take that position until the Olympics come to a, clo- a conclusion this summer. But that's that's some interesting dynamics there. Do for. we do we read something into that? Has he had an associate head coach before? Yeah, he had a Kayla Banworth, and okay. then she left to be the head coach at Ole Miss. Okay, but if you're starting to move the chess pieces around and looking at yeah. the future, hmm. makes you wonder. He's a young guy, 35 years old, uh, very well connected on the national scene in terms of uh, volleyball for both the men and the women. Oh, but that's an interesting development this afternoon, and. Uh, We'll have to talk about the NFL playoffs yesterday and a game that uh, folks in Chiefs Kingdom won't soon be not talking about as <laughs> they rallied to uh, beat the Texans. Yeah, that was that was an ugly start. I could I could fear I could hear them revolting there for a while. So they were booing. Oh my goodness! They were, they were booing. All right, let's turn it over to Bob Brogan. Stocks uh, doing okay today. Stocks are a little higher ahead of a busy week for investors. Um, and also, the U.S. and China are set to sign and disclose details about their Phase 1 trade deal, uh, which is coming up this week. Uh, Woodward and Hexel are emerging in an all-stock deal that would create one of the largest suppliers in the aerospace and defense industry. The new mid-engine Chevrolet Corvette has won the North American Car of the year award so those are some of the stories um among others that are out there all right very good that's all coming up on midday mm-hmm. 
Get ready, Nebraska. Coe Wetzel is coming to Red Dirt on the River. Saturday, February 15th at Viero Center Carney. Coe Wetzel, along with Cody Canada and The Department. And Cody West. Tickets are on sale now at CarneyEvents.net and the box office. Viero Center Carney and 93.1 The River present Coe Wetzel at Red Dirt on the River. Time for us to take a look at uh, our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in studio with me. And a couple things that you notice when you look at the forecast is, first of all, uh, we're not looking at the frigid cold that we were talking about maybe last week. Yeah, exactly. We're going to get a cold front tomorrow Mm -hmm. night, ushering in some colder air for Wednesday and Thursday. But right now, not looking as cold as what we were thinking last week because last week we were thinking now when's highs only highs only in the teens to 20s but now it looks like more so temperatures around 30 for a lot of this week here well that's certainly good now we did hear susan talk a little bit about the icy conditions that we're seeing eastern part of nebraska and kansas right now Probably, I guess, what, some, from some fog? I, yeah, that's what she said. Yeah, it was foggy, and that was that was causing some icy conditions. Yeah, uh, temperatures right now in much of the region, uh, in the mid to upper 30s, right at, at the low 30s as you head into southeastern areas of Nebraska. But, yeah, a little bit of fog. And, of course, some snow fell yesterday. That did cause some travel concerns, right. especially in eastern areas of Nebraska and Kansas. So a little bit of a wintry mix across the area yesterday with that light snow. But right now we're all mainly dry. Some cloud cover is still fairly prevalent in about the eastern half of Nebraska and Kansas, especially if you're along and east of a line from about Ainsworth to Broken Bow, Kearney, and Smith Center, Kansas. That's where that thicker cloud cover is. Then the clouds gradually thin out as you head farther to the west. Temperatures for most of us right now in the mid to upper 30s, but we do have some low 30s where they're seeing a little bit more sunshine from southeast Nebraska into northern Kansas. As warm as 41 right now in Colby and Holyoke, Colorado. Today's temperatures slightly above average for the most part. Some south winds helping to warm things up just ahead of some low pressure to our west, but not expecting to see any precipitation with that area of low pressure. Just some cloud cover, which is a little more prevalent in central and east areas of Nebraska and Kansas, thanks to that weak low pressure and weak disturbance. Tonight through tomorrow, we will clear out with a mainly westerly flow overhead as a weak ridge of high pressure takes hold. Our temperatures tomorrow, once again, remaining slightly warmer than normal. Just a pretty quiet weather pattern over the next few days. We will see a cold front move in for tomorrow night. That front will usher in that colder air for Wednesday and Thursday, but it's not going to be a big blast of cold air and definitely not as cold as once again that we thought last week. Highs more so right around 30 as we head towards the later part of the week here. Now, Thursday, we are watching some low pressures start to take shape on the West Coast. By Thursday night, we'll start to see some precipitation in our area develop ahead of that low. The forecast models continue to vary on the exact storm track and also what type of precipitation we could see. The current outlook indicating that we'll see snow chances for Thursday night when it's a little bit colder and then more of a rain-snow mix as it gets warmer and the system wraps up on Friday. Friday night and Saturday morning will become cold and windy on the backside of the system as the snow comes to an end. Temperatures should moderate a bit on Sunday and Monday, basically in between systems. Next Monday night into Tuesday, looking at another cold blast of air, it could end up being pretty chilly as some strong high pressure moves in from the north with a reinforcing shot of some colder air. In our long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures likely to be slightly cooler than normal. 
This weekend through January 26th, during the late part of January, the central Nebraska daytime highs, usually in the upper 30s with average overnight lows in the mid-teens. Precipitation outlook now trending slightly drier with near-normal to below-normal precipitation in the forecast this weekend through the 26th for Nebraska and Kansas. I think a lot of us could probably handle the cold, but when you throw in that precipitation, that kind of puts a little extra scowl on everybody's yeah, face. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Key weather factors the market traders are considering include rain chances for southern Brazil and heavy rain leading to possible flooding in the United States from Missouri and Illinois to Michigan and Ohio, southward into the Delta. Runoff from rain this last weekend will continue to cause lowland flooding. Friday precipitation will return across the Midwest, potentially bringing more problems for transportation and winter wheat. Parts of the upper Midwest, the Great Lakes, and Northeast U.S. should expect some late-week snow. Bitterly cold air will remain in place for much of the week across the northern plains. Late in the week, that frigid air also engulfing the upper Midwest. For south and east areas of the southern plains, recent and forecasted rain is favoring the winter wheat. West central and northwest areas of the southern plains could still benefit from more rain or even snow. There are no major concerns for livestock and feedlot this week, but with an active storm track, it does bear some watching. Towards southern Brazil, rain this last weekend and later this week is improving the prospects for crops in Rio Grande do Sul. Less heat also likely. Episodes of rain and no major heat in Piranha, Mato Grosso do Sul, and Goiás favors developing crops. Mato Grosso could use more rain and a little less heat for them. Boy, I tell you, that was quite a storm system, wasn't it? What it did in the south was just amazing. Yeah, a lot of moisture with it, and we kind of escaped a lot. Of we that. sure did. It was that, which is unusual. <laughs> we haven't had that kind of luck, but I think Jason even said that when he was down uh, covering UNK in Oklahoma, he had a couple of thunderstorms or yeah. tornado warnings. Yeah, there was a tornado watch that we had observed in mm-hmm. eastern Oklahoma, which is where he was uh, Friday when they were traveling for the UNK basketball teams. So, yeah. Oh, I know. That's that's uh, crazy. He said that they can get a they can get a tornado pretty much any month in Oklahoma. So. Exactly. Get that tropical air up there. Yep. Yeah, from the Gulf. Well, good for them. <laughs> well, where do you go to check in on your weather, Paul? Weather tab krvn.com. This is the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Just finishing up the Dawson County Cattlemen's Monthly Meeting in Farnham. The guest speaker tonight, Brian Teeter, with Quail and Pheasant Forever, the Nebraska chapter, your wildlife biologist. Tonight's discussion on prescribed burning, the benefits not only to rangeland, but for livestock and wildlife benefits. I think let's start at the beginning of your discussion. What are the benefits to a livestock producer who's using prescribed burns on their land? The most important part about using prescribed fire is maintaining grasslands. Uh, with prescribed fire, you can maintain these grasslands in grass. Without the use of fire, they go through a transition called succession. When succession happens, that succession usually ends up in trees. And currently, throughout the state, we're seeing a massive succession into eastern red cedar trees, which is basically taking away livestock forage for cattle in the live livestock industry. And so prescribed fire is basically keeping grasslands grass. As long as we can continue to do that, and maintain our grassland, then our livestock industry can thrive throughout the state. Prescribed fire also has many other benefits, not only in keeping grass grass, but they have also shown studies that they help in reduction of parasites, they reduce wildfire threat. Down in Kansas, they actually have done studies where uh, stalker cattle have actually increased the amount of weight 
that they put on after spring prescribed fires. With the livestock industry, it's really important that we start beginning to do prescribed fires to maintain that grassland health and to maintain our livestock. You've seen firsthand the amount of really the lack of life that can be found in a cedar tree patch on your own personal property when you first bought it. Pretty thick eastern red cedars. Talk to us about what you saw in terms of just a general biome that wasn't there. If you get into a dense patch of eastern red cedar trees and you walk through it, uh, if you can, a lot of times you can't because it's so thick, it's basically a lifeless place. There is not many wildlife species that use that area. And so in cattle don't eat cedar trees, wildlife also do not use those areas. So really, there's really no good benefit for these trees in the property. We actually, on our property, had to go in and actually log cedar trees off the property, which is a very expensive operation to do. Using prescribed fire while your grasslands are still grass is the most cost-effective method in keeping your grasslands grass. Going forward, obviously, a plan is the best thing to do here. Talk to us about putting together, what is the best way to go about putting together a prescribed burn plan? Where do you start? Who do you need to talk to? When you want to put together a prescribed burn, there's a lot of things that go into it. There's a lot of planning. There's a lot of uh, people and resources, equipment that you need to line up. So that process is kind of long, but we have a lot of resources throughout the state that are able to assist. One of the biggest ones, not only Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever biologists throughout the state, we also have Nebraska Game and Parks Commission, the Nature Conservancy, Sand Hills Task Force, the Nebraska Prescribed Fire Council. There are many different resources throughout the state that are able to help producers kind of begin their journey into the prescribed fire. And there's also a lot of existing prescribed burn associations across the state that you're able to join and you all that basically gives you benefit of being able to get into a community that already kind of knows how they're burning or knows how to burn and also has established equipment and resources available to, to help out. Yeah, that's Brian Teeters. He's with Pheasant and quail forever and he was the presenter tonight at the uh, monthly Dawson County Cattle was being talking about the benefits to the soil to the rangeland to wildlife and livestock as well for prescribed burns and controlling that invasion of eastern red cedars on the road for agriculture this is the rural radio network I'm Clay Patton team is it uh, looks like uh, they're bringing in a new old guy they are a former assistant coach Tyler Hildebrand is returning to the program as an associate head coach. Now, he helped coach the Huskers to the NCAA title in his only season in Nebraska in 2017. He replaces Caleb Banworth, who accepted the head coaching job at Old Miss back in December. Hildebrand, who's 35, is currently serving as the director of coaching for the USA Volleyball Beach National Team program, and he will assume his associate head coach duties in Lincoln in August after the 2020 Olympics come to a conclusion in Tokyo. And, and if I remember right, he was the guy who was usually standing out there yes. and, and the court kind of uh, while yep. Mr. Cook sat there. Yeah, while the Jedi Master does his That's thing. That's right. <laughs> it's LSU and Clemson tonight in the college football championship in New Orleans. Clemson is trying to make it three national titles in four years. LSU is looking for its third in 17 years and the SEC's 12th in that period. This will be the fifth straight season. The title game will match up two teams from the southeastern portion of the country. Now, if you include the Bowl Championship Series days, in seven of the last nine national championships have featured only teams from the Deep South. So mm. two undefeateds tonight go out in this one. 
Men's college basketball, the number one team in the land is still Gonzaga. They are 18-1. Baylor gets a big boost after they bumped off KU over the weekend. They're ranked second. Duke is third. Kansas is currently ranked sixth. Well, and, and let me just say, look out for those San Diego State Aztecs. Okay. They're undefeated, too. They're coming. They're coming. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> Nebraska tied its season high with 12 three-pointers, but Rutgers outscored the Huskers 36-20 in the paint. They earned a hard-fought 69-65 win in women's basketball yesterday. For the Huskers, they slipped to 13-3 overall. They are 3-2 in the Big Ten. A new UNK softball coach, Katie Ackman, has been busy since taking over the job in the fall, and she talks about adding assistant coach Kyle Honeycutt. The biggest thing for me is I needed to find someone who was going to share a vision of what I wanted UNK softball to be like. Going through some names, Kyle Honeycutt got named to me. He said he wanted to be a part of this. I heard nothing but great things about this kid, part of the UNK baseball program. And so I actually called him up and asked him if he wanted to show up to a practice and, and kind of help us out. And he said he could be there, you know, as much as possible. And he is a true asset. Okay, Scott, if you're looking for an early sign of spring here in the dead of winter, the Mm -hmm. Lopers begin preseason practice today. What? They have 18 practices before opening their season on February 7th down in Lubbock, Texas. We're we're still a ways away from (laughs) pitchers and catchers report. Holy cow. Also, when I was in Oklahoma, I mean, you can see the green there. Can you? Grass and weeds. Yeah, there were flowers blooming in Claremore. Wow. Well, and and we mentioned this, I mentioned this when Paul was in here, but you had to travel through tornado warnings, didn't you? Yes, we had tornado warnings on Friday between Tahlequah and Claremore on the bus with the UNK basketball squad. (laughs) That's... That's a first for me. Yeah, a little bit. But it can it can tornado uh-huh. at any time, and any day that ends in Y in the state of Oklahoma. You told me that, <laughs> and I that just doesn't that doesn't compute. That's crazy. That's what it is. Hey, it's uh, what do you you got to pay for it when you live in a paradise yes. like Oklahoma. That's true. That's a look at sports. For more, find it anytime. krvn.com. <laughs> right, thanks. Nebraska lawmakers are discussing a bill that would allow teachers to physically intervene with students if the student is being violent to themselves, other students, or other teachers. Senator Justin Wayne, who previously served as president of the Board of Omaha Public Schools, is concerned about training for this type of intervention and has filed a motion to indefinitely postpone the bill. We are setting ourselves up to allow teachers, and there's this little sneaky word in there, other school personnel. So we're not just talking about some people who might have de-escalation training. We're not talking about some people who know how to work with students. We're talking about anybody who is a contracted employee with that school district that won't have training can now provide physical intervention. Senator Mike Groney of North Platte, chairman of the legislature's education committee, introduced the bill. He told Senator Wayne that provisions for training will be contained in a separate bill that will be introduced on Monday. Groney says it will be compiled by a panel of education specialists, including school board administrators, teachers union representatives, ESU representatives, and people with Boys Town training. The Nebraska Game and Parks Commission is considering limiting the number of visitors at Lake McConaughey and adjacent Lake Ogallala. 
The commission says the high number of visitors in 2018 and 2019 stretched public safety, basic sanitation services, shower facilities, campgrounds, and parking areas in both western Nebraska recreation areas. Proposed actions would be subject to approval of the commission and would go into effect before Memorial Day. A public open house to discuss the changes is scheduled to run from 3 to 6 p.m. Thursday at the Lake McConaughey Visitor Center and Water Interpretive Center. Democrat Cory Booker has dropped out of the presidential race after failing to qualify for the December primary debate. Booker announced Monday that he was ending a campaign whose message of unity and love failed to gain traction in a political era marked by chaos and anxiety. The U.S. Senator from New Jersey had struggled in polling and fundraising since launching his bid last February. Booker was unable to hit 5% support in a single qualifying poll required to make it in the January debate stage. Booker's departure leaves a field that was once the most diverse in history with just one remaining African-American candidate, former Massachusetts Governor Deval Patrick. Kansas lawmakers have returned to the state house to open their annual session, expecting big debates on tax cuts and Medicaid expansion. Both the House and Senate were set to convene at 2 p.m. Monday. Top Republicans in the GOP-controlled legislature plan to push again this year for income tax cuts after Democratic Governor Laura Kelly vetoed two bills last year, expanding the state's Medicaid health coverage for as many as 150,000 additional people is a key priority for Kelly. She is scheduled to give the annual State of the State address Wednesday and release details of her proposed state budget Thursday morning. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. Learning more about hybrid varieties. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. The 2019 corn production season in Kansas was hardly smooth sailing, especially for those areas that were oversaturated by the rainfall. Even so, agronomists at Kansas State University were able to gather good information on corn hybrid performance via their field trials around the state. And that data is now available to corn growers in their 2020 hybrid selection purpose. Jane Lingenfelser is overseas K-State's crop performance test, and she highlights the corn hybrids that stood out in 2019's dryland trials, beginning with the results from six sites in eastern Kansas. The hybrids that did well in the northeast dryland region, DeKalb DKC 6595, Golden Harvest GX 91088, Midland 570PR and 770PR, and also NK, NK1082 did well in the northeast dryland region. DeKalb DKC 6595, Golden Harvest G16K01, Midland 570PR, NK, NK1182, and NK1205, and also Phillips PSF 0897 did well in the eastern dryland region. DeKalb DKC 6088 and Golden Harvest GX 99944 did well in the short season trials. As for the central Kansas dryland trials at two sites, there are the hybrids that rated highly in 2019. Well-performing hybrids in the central region DeKalb DKC 6088 did well, also Midland 594 PR, Phillips PSF 133, and Rank RK 937 did well in the central region. 
And then there were the hybrids, which topped the test for the two western Kansas dryland locations. The good western dryland performers, DeKalb, DKC, 6088, our medium maturity check from Pioneer, Phillips, PSF, 098, and Rank, RK, 10, DGVT, 2P, did very well. I did, again, emphasize that it's important to judge hybrids and make your production decisions using as many sources and years of data that you can. Looking on to sorghum, they talk about the top hybrids of each region this past year, beginning in the eastern part of the state. Advanta, ADV, XG256, also DeKalb, DKS5407, Golden Acres, 4880R, and Polanski 5719 did well in the Northeast Dryland region. In the Southeast, we had Advanta ADV XG885, also Alta ADV G2275, Dynagro XGX19981, KSU MN05 did well, and our medium maturity check from DeKalb did well in the Southeast region. The dryland sorghum test in central Kansas was limited to one location, and that was Hutchinson. Because of adverse conditions elsewhere, there are the hybrids that stood out. Alta AG1203, DeKalb DKS5353, Dynagro GX19981, KSU MN05, SNW Seed CHR0395, and Sorghum Partners SP7715 did well in the central region. And both dryland and irrigated sorghum trials were conducted in western Kansas. She says that hybrids which trended the most on the top charts here. Advanta ADV XG255, DeKalb DKS3816, Dynagro GX17973, and M60GB31, both from Dynagro, did well. Also Galen Ward, 18092. And Sorghum Partners SP68M57 did well in the Western Dryland Test. Advanta ADV XG224, DeKalb DKS5353, Golden Acres 2840B, KSU MN05, SNW Seed CHR 2042, and Sorghum Partners SP 74M21 did well in the irrigated sites this year. And as with many of the crops, it was the uncooperative weather in the fall that interfered with data collection from Kansas State University's 2019 grain sorghum hybrid performance trials as well. However, all the test plots were finally harvested and the results are now available for those growers to review. And our comments today coming from Jane Lingenfelser. She again is with Kansas State University. You can find out more from this K-State agronomist and the information that they compiled, not only for the grain sorghum hybrids, but for the corn uh, hybrids as well for 2019 by going to agronomy.ksu.edu. That website, again, is agronomy.ksu.edu. And, of course, you can also check with the local extension offices throughout Kansas. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. (laughs) 
Time for us to take a look at uh, Business Beginner Business Report here on uh, Midday here in KRVN. And uh, as we take a look at stocks across the world, the overnights, the Japanese Nikkei was up 111. Hong Kong's Hang Seng was up 320. And London's FTSE was down 29. Even with the uh, breakup of the Royals, well, that happened today. We'll see what it, how it affects it tomorrow. And the German DAX index was the only one down. It was the outlier. It was down 31. Here in the United States, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is at 40, is up 46. The NASDAQ is up 73. And the S&P is up 15. All up right now. We turn it over to Bob Brogan for more. U.S. stocks are higher as investors are looking ahead to the signing of an initial, an initial trade deal with China. And the uh, potential for future talks, Wall Street is also looking ahead to a busy opening week of corporate earnings being kicked off by major banks. Meanwhile, British and American officials are meeting as UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson's government prepares to decide on whether there's a future for Chinese equipment maker Huawei in the country's next generation telecom networks. Woodward and Hexel are merging in an all-stock deal that would create one of the largest suppliers in the aerospace and defense industry. The companies say the tie-up will allow them to create more efficient aircraft that will reduce emissions, a big hurdle for the aerospace industry. The new mid-engine Chevrolet Corvette has won the North American Car of the Year award. The Kia Telluride took Sport Utility of the Year honors, and the Jeep Gladiator won the Truck of the Year award. About 50 automotive journalists serve as judges for the awards, which are announced every January. I wonder how that uh, mid-engine Chevrolet Corvette will do in two feet of snow. We'll see. And uh, meanwhile, gas prices, uh, while we're speaking about Corvettes, which of course are... Really good on gas. They're really good on gas. Uh, They just go forever, and then probably you pull a lever or something like that, and then you can go even further than forever <laughs> and gas what infinity and, and beyond yes yes, yes. wasn't that what buzz Lightyear said was, yes it was to infinity and beyond <laughs> right okay uh the average u.s price of regular grade gasoline has jumped four cents per gallon to two dollars 64 cents over the past three weeks and trilby lundberg of the lundberg survey says gas prices are unlikely to continue to increase because crude oil costs have dropped. So when you pull up and you see $2.64, which you probably won't see because your favorite gasoline uh, fill-up place probably could be more or less than that. But uh, anyway, that's what's going on with gas prices. All right. Very good. Well, uh, we'll yell at Trilby about that. I just pulled up the uh, Kia Telluride because I wasn't sure what that was. It's a pretty sweet looking car. It is. It's kind of uh, an SUV sort of thing and it's a I like it. And again, I'm I'm extending my invitation, and I'm of course I'm here to help. Mm-hmm. That I will try out any vehicle they want me to try out. Uh, of course, it has to be free of charge for a well, year. Yeah, yeah, I bet you'd put gas in it though. I would put gas in. You'd it. go that far as to yes, put gas I would. In it. There was a story that Fox News had about a couple GM engineers that decided to take said Corvette out for a bit of a joy ride. Couple of them took. I guess they were one of those guys that built them and took them out to test them out. And by golly, they found out they could go very fast, and uh, police officers found that out also. 
Yes. Uh, so does that surprise you? A Corvette can go a hundred. Yeah, it can. Yeah, no. They they wanted to make sure. I guess quality service checking, and they. But I believe yes. they were also uh, imbibing just a little bit too. So okay. Well, we'll see how that all works. No. We'll see how that works out for them. Yeah, probably not very well. All right. That is our business report here today on Midday. Thanks, Bob. The opiate crisis is the topic of the next Rural Radio Forum, sponsored by Ag West Commodities. Join us Tuesday, February 4th from 3 to 4 Central, 2 to 3 Mountain Time on 880 KRVN. We'll talk with Nebraska Attorney General Doug Peterson, Professor Tina Chasek, clinician Patrick Hall, and others to learn more about the history of this epidemic, why they're so addictive, what communities and states are doing to respond to this issue, and more. The opiate crisis, sponsored by Ag West Commodities, on the next Rural Radio Forum. In today's fast-paced world of agriculture, producers need accurate market information they can trust. Sometimes you just want to know the whys of the day's markets. And our program, The Fontenelle Final Bell, gives you the chance to ask the marketing experts. I'm Susan Littlefield with the Rural Radio Network. Join us for The Fontenelle Final Bell, Monday through Friday, as we dig deeper into the factors that shape the day's market activity. The Fontenelle Final Bell, weekdays at 217, right here on Rural Radio 880 KRVN. We continue our Women Involved in Agriculture series, highlighting women all throughout the month of January. I'm Shaylee Peters, joining you on the Rural Radio Network. Our guest today, Amanda Parker. And Amanda, you were nominated by your husband, Brett. And I have to laugh, and I will uh, mention this now. He wrote up, along with your daughters, is my understanding, but he wrote up a very nice description. Um, but the last line made me chuckle. He said, um, not to mention keeping everyone fed and having impeccable taste in men. So I feel like that sets the tone just a little bit as we get into your story and your involvement in agriculture. Let's start with your background. It's my understanding you didn't have a direct connection to agriculture growing up. Correct. No, I didn't grow up on the farm. My grandparents had a farm. Um, we were probably the only family in town that had a barn in our backyard and always had tractors in the yard and grew up, you know, cutting down trees and driving tractors and loving the aspect of agriculture. Any bit of it you could get from living in town. So let's follow that up now. You and your husband have five daughters. And talk about what your role is now, kind of what your day-to-day looks like. You know, I would say in a nutshell, it's just keeping everyone going. So if, if in a day things are running smooth, I can hang at the house, cook, do paperwork, run errands, get parts. If something's broke down, I go help fix it. Um, cattle are out I go put them in if there's an empty seat I'll go run the tractor run the combine you know help get the kiddos off to school and make sure they're all well taken care of but it seems like whatever comes my way is what I'll do I mentioned it before and I want to mention it again you have five daughters so not only are you setting an example just by what you do but you are certainly setting an example for the next generation Amanda talk about what your favorite part of being involved in this industry is and just some of the things you most enjoy as you continue to be involved in agriculture and again bring up the next generation in this industry I love being on a horse in the fall, gathering cattle. I love being in northern Montana in a combine harvesting barley. 
I love meeting all of the people and networking with all of the other farmers that we meet, you know, through the harvest and just other local farmers. Um, I just love, there's so many highs in agriculture that completely outweigh any bad day you'll ever have. And it's nice for me to reflect and think we're not the first people to ever, you know, have a tractor break down in the middle of planting or have a cow go down in the chute or, you know, you have to stop and think we're not the only ones. There's been people before us and there will be people after us. And you always have to just take the good with the bad, but truly love, you know, looking out at God's green earth and love being a steward of the land and just the spontaneity and, you know, every day something different comes across your plate. That's the part I think I love the most. All right. Thank you so much. Amanda Parker, again, is our guest today as we continue on with our Women in Agriculture series here on the Rural Radio Network. Again, if you have missed any of our features, you can find them up at ruralradio.com. But again, our guest today, it's Amanda Parker, producer from Waterville, Kansas. We share her story as we continue on through January with our Women in Agriculture series. I'm Shaylee Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. On the Rural Radio Network, we take a look at the, uh, the closing grain markets with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter this week in grain. And John, taking a look here at the close, seeing a little bit of a comeback by those outer Chicago and KC wheat contracts, but corn's really the resilient one today. Yeah, global prices starting to jump a little bit. Brazilian offers are, I think, at a four-year high now. So we're, um, you know... The good news is that is that obviously the U.S. is going to get some export business. I think they're going to get it anyway. But the bad news would be that Brazil is going to plant a lot of corn. I think the big dynamic with this whole trade deal would be what is the fallout from South America, you know, because they're going to get incentivized by a price. Uh, and the odds might be they plant more corn just due to the fact they're not going to be selling as many soybeans to, to Brazil. So kind of like we had last year where, uh, you know, we had a huge skew. Now, part of that was weather. But I think there are fallouts here when you have a managed economy like this where we're going to simply have trade deals with the world's biggest buyer what's going to happen with everybody else's business is that can also go to south america so it'll be interesting to see what that how that shakes out but i think in, in the case of corn here um very steady action you know above the 100 day moving averages now we've rejected all of those levels and i think i think we get four run i really do i think in the, in the near term here obviously 392 will be a uh, kind of a, a hurdle to get through but if we can get through that you know 405 to 407 are in the cards, and um, you know that's where it'll get hard because there'll be a bullish reason for us to be there. But I would be ready to be pricing some some spring delivery at that point. And then we take a look as well at the soybeans, and we're just two days ahead of this phase one trade deal. Really, pork and soybeans, we kind of think is the main things China needs slash wants, but yet they're the ones taking the biggest hits. Yeah, and I'm, I think it's important to know, like since December, really, when this whole deal kind of turned on its head, we're, we're up close to 75 cents. So I think a lot of the Chinese trade news is, is factored in for now. You know, I mean, the writing's on the wall. It's going to happen. I don't I don't think we're – I'm not scared of the Charlie Brown here where they're going to move the football on us. I, I think the more fear is what happens here once they pass it. How is the dynamic going to work with them buying? How aggressively they are, are they going to buy? I think it's somebody who would – set folks up to be short, I'd be a little cautious right now just to be too short the board. I, you know, if we were trading ten fifty to $11, I'd be more in the camp to say, hey, you should be probably looking to price a lot here. But it's just so early in the season, and we have a lot of good news that can come down the pipeline. And I'm you know, just saying this to a partner here that I work with, 
I think everything's going to take off. I'm really bullish commodities in general, and so soybeans would be a big part of that, and the funds aren't even anywhere close to being tapped out. They, they can add a plenty, plenty of fuel here to push it, so be ready for that. And again, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing. You can learn more about their newsletter at danielzagmarketing.com. Again, that's danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember trading futures and options does involve risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. Consider those risks before investing. And that's going to do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on krvn.com. Sponsored by Divinity Motors. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Divinity Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DivinityChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divinity deal.